Welcome back to Ready Comics Roll. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I guess one person can make a difference. I'm Anthony. And things are only stranger than strange. I'm Mike. And with us this week, our special guest... Any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. I'm Eric. The plans for this week, much like ourselves, have been kind of a mess. I mean, it goes without saying that we've had the passing of not one, not two, but three legends at this point, with the unfortunate passing of Stan Lee most recently. And that's kind of why we originally were going to do an episode that was kind of dedicated to the man, the myth, the legend... But we didn't want to give the appearance that we were simply just doing this for attention because that is farthest from the truth. I mean, I can know I could speak for all of us and even our listeners at home and just how much, you know, comics mean to all of us. So instead, that's why we decided for this episode to focus more on the impact of comics and in general, the society, as well as just what it means to us as well. Yeah, I mean... I've been reading comics now for 26 years. Oh, no, wait. I, I, I aged uh, 27 years. <laughs> I forgot my birthday passed. But it's it's been a very interesting ride from starting on early Captain America, like pre-my era of Captain America. Like, I read the 19, you know, 40s issues of Captain America because my grandfather had them. And... Reading early detective comics, reading early action comics. Um, I mean, I, 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 I've seen some of the old art. You know, I've, I, I've been there for the, you know, Ditko era of dot of dot penciling and stuff like that. And I miss some of those more, you know, larger than life storylines in comic books, like before Superman could fly, but was still, you know, leaps and bounds beyond anything what anybody else was coming up with and then you had the even crazier eras of characters like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and everything that those those characters those stories represent from civil rights to you know uh the the war at the time you know I mean that's the one thing, I mean, uh, people try and argue these days about, you know, comics being too political. And that's uh, where I feel... Uh, they, they always have been. Yes, exactly. I feel that's where some people have either just been, you know, willfully ignoring it because they've been getting lost in those universes, which is fine. If that is the case. You know, that's kind of what comics was about, is being able to kind of relate to characters to get lost in those kind of situations. And that's why comics mean so much to so many different people and, and and means different things to different people. And as a medium, as any medium, it, a lot of it's self-interpretation because a lot of times some of these things aren't overtly, you know, political or agenda biased. People read into things and find their own gender or their own agenda bias and stuff like that. There, There's, there, there's something about, you know, self, you know, what you what you self reflect on, and what you see in in the images in front of you and in the writing in front of you, and you know people told me that you know Spider Man was hyper political at times, and I'm like I've never seen it. And I, no, I think I think he has been in certain cases. Um, I mean, there's 
uh, there's an argument to be made for, you know, all art is a reflection of culture and vice versa. Um, and I mean, like, there's always been this give and take. And I, I don't even think it's necessarily people reading into, uh, their, reading their own agenda into comics or any art form, really. It's more about, I, there's a whole political philosophy. Or not uh, political, but uh, like there's a, a cultural sociological philosophy. philosophy. Yeah, sociological philosophy about like you know the death of the author and the where an art, an art form is never truly complete until it, it has is, its audience. Yeah, until the audience uh, draws whatever meaning they're going to take from it. Um, where the you know authorial intent means nothing. It's what a what an art. Form art means to the people art is who art do to it. the audience. Art and, is work to the artist. And sometimes it's it's a little more obvious, especially when the creators themselves state so. A uh, perfect example. Again, we have lost legends such as Jack Kirby, and even more recently, you know, Steve Ditko, and also Stan Lee. But as a great example of this, Stan Lee himself. And one thing I really want to point out before, and I'm sorry I keep harping on Stanley, but I think I can speak for, uh, I keep saying this, but it's true for a lot of people listening that just the impact his passing has had. One thing I wanted to point out, though, is Stanley was a lot of things to a lot of people, but the one thing we can all really say about him is that he was a man of the people who did, you know, his, his best to make everyone feel welcome and to fight against the injustice of this world in the best way that he knew how through comics. I mean, even on his own stand soapbox, he flat out said that the creation of a lot of these characters was meant to make people feel welcome in an otherwise unwelcoming world. A great example of that would be the, you know, the X-Men. That was definitely even stated himself was meant to be a representation of minorities in general. It's about being the, you know, the outcast, being in a world that hates you and still trying to do the best that you can against those kind of odds. And even in even in characters that he he more self reflected in like the Hulk and and Spider Man where it's it's about the 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 low man on the totem pole kind of fighting against his inner demons his rage or his own uh, reflection of self worth when it comes to Spider Man because a lot of Spider Man's Peter Parker's issues come with the fact that he. He was bullied, and he comes upon this power and doesn't really know what to do with it at first. And when you're when you're handed a medium like comic books, and though like Stanley inherited Marvel, like he pretty much started from nothing and built his way up, and was just kind of handed the reins. That he he did well earn, but it, it was it was just it's amazing his story and the the fact uh, that you know he helped create these legends that we have now the modern uh, mythology. I mean, yeah, as w- it were, with the help of other great creators such as we mentioned before, like Jack Kirby, which they didn't exactly always have the best relationship, but they definitely still came together to create some of the most memorable of the characters that we know of from Marvel. And even, again, Steve Ditko, as far as what he's done for Spider-Man and even Doctor Strange, as you mentioned before, even before we decided to speak on this. Uh, this is really <laughs> difficult to I, it, not tear up. <laughs> it, it's a tough time for, I mean, 
Uh, not even just comic fans, but definitely comic fans. But I mean, like, uh, Stan Lee has become almost just a cultural icon. Um, you know, there are people who their only experience with the world of Marvel comics is, you know, the superhero movies, you know, the Marvel uh, movie cinematic universe. universe absolutely. Um, and his cameos but, and his cameos. And but there's always been that, you know, his charisma was always um, it could draw people in. Like, it was you infectious. Could, yeah, it, exactly. There's a word I'm looking yeah. for. Like you, you could always tell that this was a a good man. That was just trying to spread a little bit of light in the world. My my first recollection of him, or my my first thought, anytime you know anything's brought up about Stanley, I always think about that scene from Mallrats, and <laughs> it, it, it's always first and foremost in my mind when it comes when it comes to that. And it's my favorite cameo out of all his cameos, <laughs> too. And I mean. It, it 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 weighs heavier. I mean, I I've met the man. Like he he was he was having breakfast like literally a table across from me at a MegaCon one year. And wow, it was it you know it was one of those things. Like he he just has that you know that magnetism and like he he's a genuine. He was always a genuinely good person. Like it, it feels that way at least. And and anything that and anyone that you hear talking about him, they always mention you know. The, the charisma, the, the, you know, the fact that he, he was the man, the myth, the legend, Stanley. Like, he, he lived up to a lot of his hype. <laughs> always friendly, always smiling. Um, I got to meet him briefly. I, probably when I was too young to really appreciate it, um, I went to a, uh, a Comic Con, uh, like a comic convention. I can't even remember what the name of it was. Uh, I want to say in Orlando, um, where he was, and this was, you know, this was when I was like 12 years old, um, this age, like the early 90s, not to date myself, um, before, like, you had to pay to get autographs from people, um, and like, you know, and he was at this, uh, convention, uh, signing autographs, and you just had to wait in line, and, you know, he would sign, like, uh, I think it was uh, two or four comics each time, or two or four items each time you got around to him in the line. And I went through with multiple kind of like I had a stack of comics that I wanted him to sign and went through. And he was always like he was so friendly and cordial, you know, after seeing the same the, face, the, multiple same, <laughs> the same people multiple times because I, I definitely wasn't the only one doing it either. Um, but just, you know, after after a day of. You know, just shaking hands and uh, pleasant greetings with a uh, people, and people are just the worst. <laughs> uh, you know, but I uh, friendly to the end. It's, but yeah, it's definitely. I, I've never heard a bad word spoken about the man. That's what breaks my heart. Is I, I've unfortunately never had the opportunity to to meet Stanley in person. I've always wanted to. It's definitely. I mean, people have, like, jokingly said stuff about, like, bucket lists. But that's definitely something that I wanted to do at one point or another, just to be able to thank him. Because as far as what I can say with, with comics, or even more specifically characters like Spider-Man, personally, uh, everybody has a character they can relate to. And for me, it's, it's most definitely Peter Parker. Uh, for, for starters, the Parker luck. I know all too well <laughs> the Parker luck. of just, you know, unfortunate things happening often and also losing those 
close to you more often than anybody really should. So I've, I've definitely come to relate with that character. And it, it, it also kind of inspired me to be just like Spider-Man. I may not have his powers, but the one thing he and I have in common, or what he, I should say, he instilled into me, is that despite all of this misfortune, despite all the Parker luck, despite all the things that happen in life, you get up and you continue to do the best that you can. You try to help those around you and those close to you. And I think that, you know, over the years... Between all 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 the varieties of comics, it doesn't matter what brand, what you know, genre, even it, comics have always kind of been. I mean, not necessarily an escape for me because I always read comics more as um, inspiration. You know, it wasn't so much a, a, a technique of escapism. It was more of a I was looking for something to kind of excite my my creativity or excite my imagination because I always would put it into other things, D&D games, just whatever I could piece together. Like I remember reading, I forget who it was that did it, but somebody did uh, a series of comics uh, that was based on the Lovecraftian mythos and I, I used a lot of that kind of imagery in my own, you know, games and my own art and stuff like that for a while. And it really, it really has been more about seeking inspiration in a lot of ways. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of people that, that do that. You know, you, you go into a medium and you, 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 you know, go milk in, it for your own creativity. You, you go in for for one thing and ends up becoming so much more yeah. in the long run. I see. For me, comics have always been. I kind of touched on it earlier, but um, you know, just the modern mythology um, in so many ways, uh, like modern fables. Um, I kind of like what you had uh, spoken about, like with Spider Man. Um, you know, Spider Man's always been my favorite superhero, um, and the character of Peter Parker. Uh, has been a huge part of that. Um, but it, it sounds cheesy, but, you know, for me, a lot of times I've looked to comics for uh, almost like a moral compass. Um, you look at, and this is why, like, I've always been kind of iffy about, like, the like the 90s trends of the anti-hero um, and the, you there's know... There's nothing the, wrong with the anti-heroes. There's nothing wrong with them. Don't you talk <laughs> shit about my Venom. <laughs> Which I, I, couldn't know, have, see, I couldn't have Venom without Spider-Man either. I exactly, and no, see, I love I love the characterization of Venom, but uh, for probably for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, like I'm talking about like your uh, you know your Wolverine, your Lobo, your um, uh, even to an extent like the early Deadpool and uh, like X Force and pretty much the whole Rob Liefeld. Uh, trend in comics, which seriously, if you're gonna take someone from the comics industry, take Liefeld next. No, we do, we not condone. <laughs> death, death if you're no, listening. No, 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 don't, no, don't no. listen. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. I uh, just don't take, take him just, just take his money. <laughs> Cause he does not deserve it. I, no, I, but, um, like, I, I always kind of, uh, I, he, he pushed back on that trend because, like, for me, it's always been, uh, your Superman, your Captain America, your your Spider Man, your genuine like the hero that is not out for himself, but is out to genuinely make help the, people to make the world a better place. Um, and that's you know, 
like I said, it sounds cheesy to look towards comics for your moral compass, um, and for your, you know, for the good you want to see in the world, but there's a lot, um, in, you know, uh, in comics of heroes trying to be the best part of what's in all of us, and that message keeps getting, uh, it's almost a trope in comics of, you know, anyone can be a hero. And, and and that's why I definitely say, like from what I said from the beginning, it's and you guys have exemplified that. And even the conversations I've had with other friends, like I really wish we had more time to kind of come up with this episode because one, you know, as you can hear, John's not with us. He's enjoying a very nice is it a cruise he went on? Bohemian vacation. Oh, we're just yeah. gonna call it a Bohemian vacation. <laughs> and um, we weren't really able to get any guests because, again, we weren't even sure if we were gonna do this cast. Because at this point, Eric's a cast member, honestly. Yeah, exactly. We we said before that he's uh, an official member of the Ready Comic Roll crew. So since we're all local and we really couldn't get a hold of him, because I really would have loved to have have Kate from But Why well, Though podcast on here, or just anybody uh, as part of uh, that awesome community. Even just other people we've made friends with. It would be nice to have more voices in this. Even just to hear some of their stories shared as far as what uh, they, they, they comics book uh, comic books have meant to them, what it's done for them. And, and honestly, but, it's not about you know them not you know joining us for any one reason or another. It's more about us not being able to reach out because we just didn't have the time. Yeah, to. <laughs> exactly. But but again, from the conversations I have had before, even leading up to the decision of recording this episode, it's amazing again just to see how different it is for everybody. To see how it works as not only a form of entertainment, but again, Again, it's, it's something that's relatable to some people. It's, it, it's the social, uh, political impact of it. and Or even, as you said, um, Mike, the fact that it can even just inspire. It's just so much to so many different people. That's why it's been such a you know staple in, I would say, even just in American culture, or even just in a lot of people's lives in general. Like you said, um, Eric, it's, it's the mo- modern mythology. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's a, and the one of the most fascinating things about comics is how they've evolved over time. Um, you know, which hey, Mike, you were talking about how you know you had like the golden age, um, and then the silver age, um, and then the modern age, uh, and how comics have grown as a medium from you know funny books to detective novels to you know just a reflection of life and culture in general um they they've become an interesting lens to view the modern world uh through one of the one of the weirdest things that sticks out to me um from like uh the time when i was early getting into comic books was i remember an x-men comic that uh actually uh, incorporated the World Trade Center bombing, uh, not 9-11, but the one that happened, I can't even remember what year it was, but where there was a uh, truck bomb that went off in the parking garage of the World Trade Center uh, in the 90s. Like, comics have always been uh, an evolving medium and a media, or uh, like I said, a lens with which to view current events to try to make sense of the world. But like back in, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50s, comic books were a much more, uh, I guess the way to look at it would be like a much more innocent medium, um, that projected the world that people, uh, I guess like the idyllic, uh, mid 20th century America 
that we're all familiar with from movies and, you know, TV shows and comic books, of course. Um, and then watching the art form mature over time to where it can cover something as, uh, as powerful and as impactful as a terrorist attack that that's been one of the best things to see in the comics industry is how the medium grows and evolves over time and how it can, um, how and a, a, a lot of this can be, uh, attributed to like, um, you know, other legends in the business like Alan Moore taking comics and, and pushing that envelope and making it more of a, uh, artistic genre. And to kind of piggyback off that, I would say that one of the great things about comics as a medium, I would say even more so than video games, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Anthony, you blasphemer, you traitor, is, is again, is uh, comics also do work as a way of continuing a story that others decided they wanted to stop telling. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, all right, so a great uh, example of that is I remember actually besides Marvel and even some DC, uh, what I was heavily getting into uh, in my youth was actually Dark Horse comics, more specifically the Aliens and Predators comics, to which I would argue a lot of those stories are even better than the movies. I And uh, actually on that same note, um, you look at uh, Buffy season eight, I believe it was, was in, uh, season uh, eight and nine were in the comics. Um, the Angel TV series was continued in the comics line. So, uh, the Smallville... Fire, Firefly was continuing comics. Supernatural and, was continuing in the comics, and then well, that did TV yes, too. That, I was gonna say <laughs> that didn't need to continue. Um, I mean, Supernatural is, is a good series, I would argue, but uh, maybe up until season seven, or maybe at best season nine, and then it kind of just is beating a dead horse at that point. I, well, once you end the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, and then we've seen a lot, especially in recent years, we've seen the opposite happen. You know, you have like with The Walking Dead. Um, which, you know, right now I've heard... Well, you, you've got, you've got many of these, uh, satirical, like, modernization stories where, like, Preacher and, like, uh, Walking Dead, where it's, yes, it takes some supernatural liberties with a lot of things, but <laughs> a lot of it has basis in the world that we live in or the, 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 you know, the, the world as we know it that it could become, you know, should crazy shit happen like a zombie apocalypse or, you know, God coming to Earth. Uh, yeah. um, Angels and demons show up, you know, it turns yeah. out. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of these series that have kind of taken that, like, um, modern feel or that, you know, rooted to Earth kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say somber tone, but more of a realistic uh, meaning, the gritty but realism a, a gritty realism thing. or a, even more of a, I mean, there's even series where there are no supernatural things going on. There's, Absolutely. there are literally comic book series that are now about, you know, slice teenager, of life. Yeah. There's slice of life comics about, you know, teenage angst and just kind of growing up in the, and, the, the world. And they've even transcended into web comics, even based off of what you're mentioning there. A lot of web comic artists and some of the stuff that people really enjoy and identify with 
were originally spawned from people that read comics. Or yeah. that's, it was a major part of their life. That's where they this, got the this idea. This asshat's actually the one who got me into webcomics. <laughs> by this asshat, he's pointing to Eric, just yeah. for clarification. <laughs> and actually, uh, man, I need to catch up on a lot of yeah, comics. Yeah, me, me and you both probably. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, you see... Like I said, it's it's a medium of culture, and you know, uh, art is always reflected in culture, and culture is always reflected in art, and that's uh, I think uh, comic books, especially because of the fact that it is an ongoing medium. Like there's, you know, you have to keep pushing out those issues. There's a new issue every week or every month. Um, you know, Marvel uh, is pushing out. Uh, what is it? I think it was, it, at last count, it was close to a hundred titles per uh, per month. Something like that. They're, well, they've got they 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 have something like two dozen biweekly titles, and then another probably four dozen to probably something more like monthly titles, and then they also have some titles that are weekly now. Oh God, yeah. I mean, they're only like thirty-two pages, but right. But yeah, there's that. There are artists working five days a week to publish that one thirty-two page, you know, comic. I mean, comics even have given a voice to the voiceless. Uh, one of the things I really want to point out too, and I really want to give credit to Vertigo Comics for their relaunch, is for instance with the case of uh, you mean of, DC Comics for their relaunch of Vertigo. Did I, what did I say? <laughs> you said Vertigo for its yes, relaunch. Yes, yeah, well, well, I mean, Vertigo hasn't relaunch. done anything by itself in yes, a long Yes, well, I mean, we know, you know Vertigo's part of DC, at least now, but... Can, can I borrow your knife? Because mine doesn't split hairs that tightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but my point being, with, with Border Town, I mean, we're talking about representation, which is very important. We're starting to see more and more often, which is great. But Bordertown gets to tell the tale of, of a lot of like uh, Mexican-American, even just uh, Latinx lore and horror. And it, it's actually become one of the main, not only the first comics to come out of Vertigo, but it's been a, a smashing hit. It's gone to reprint several times over. Mm. And that's something we haven't really seen, I almost want to say, ever. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you finally actually get to learn more about things, you know, m- more about, you know, Latin horror and stuff more than just the chupacabra. Like, everybody knows the chupacabra, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of mythos in Border Town that they, they go through, and some of it is astoundingly horrific. I'm going to go in. <laughs> but in the best way possible. But exactly, that's what I mean. So even from in the, in uh, Eric, the, the one of the lead writers, he grew up with comics. So again, it's a perfect example of just the kind of impact it has on society and even on each of us as an individual. Because that's what pushed him to go ahead and come forth and take this chance. And thankfully, it's paid off in, in you know tenfold to be able to kind of tell these unique and interesting stories. Again, giving more people a voice. Yeah, and. Honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to some of the issues that are going to be coming out in the coming months because you know there's going to be these, how should I put it, heavily tuned towards memorials for you know the 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 legends at this point because we we really have lost the trifecta. The big three, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm again. I, I, it's no secret that I'm more of a Marvel fanboy than anything else. But I, I still believe that if you look at you know Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and Stan Lee, 
they the, between well, the three I mean, of them, three of them, they were they were all part of Marvel. I, only the the uh, latter two were uh, really attached to DC for long periods of time. But even between the three of them, they've created probably the most. Uh, I would say memorable and even in a sense influential characters of our, of our time. Yeah, or or co-founded or co-wrote or was the penciler on? I mean, the, the, these guys were the so greats. many hats. Yeah, and a lot of and a lot of times, you know, you had you know three or four artists or three or four people. I, I shouldn't really say artists, but three or four people working on one character at a time back then, and like. Batman had, you know, I think two people working on him for a long time. And, you know, one of them being Ditko. Captain America, I mean, that was like... That was Jack Kirby's baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, and that's that kind of goes back to, uh, you know, how... I think that's part of the reason why comic books are such a... Are so relatable um, is because they are a collaborative effort. Um, you know, if you look at, um, you know, a novel is typically a one person ordeal. Um, even TV shows and movies, while granted they take casts and crews of hundreds of people, um, you're seeing the director's vision, you're seeing the writer's vision. Um, it's not sometimes more the latter than so, the <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's very rarely as collaborative of an effort as comic books where you have multiple people coming together to uh, to build a character um to just come up with the concept for a character and how to flesh out uh their story and uh you know their day to day life essentially um and that's you know uh and of course you always see um you know, comic books pass from one hand to the next. A new writer comes along, a new artist comes along, which cre- that can create a new visual style uh, mm-hmm. for the character. Uh, you know, many which become iconic, many which become less iconic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I'm thinking of fat-headed Superman and <laughs> slightly large arms uh, uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Who can forget the giant barrel chest Captain America? Or the tiny legs Hulk. <laughs> Seriously, why did Hulk skip so many leg days? No one Hulk, will ever know. <laughs> Hulk rage contained in heart. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it, it's it's more of a, a you know a, like we've said before the modern day mythology, but also the modern day folktale, uh, the the modern day version of the oral tradition where stories get passed from one person to the next um and this new person may have a uh have a new uh take on that story um you know one thing a, that's... a lot of a lot of characters we have over the years seen through many lenses absolutely um some you know for good or bad you know i mean i used to I used to be able to sit down and read a, a Batman comic. Like I said, I used to read Detective Comics. Nowadays, I'm sorry, I can't stand that character, <laughs> and I don't. I don't really know what what really turned me off with him, other than the fact that he, he probably oh, some of the fans. Oh, Batman can beat anybody given yeah. enough time and preparation. Sometimes you don't have time or preparation. Sometimes you just have Killer Croc ripping your heart out. <laughs> Aside from that, though, there there were other reasons for not liking Batman, and a lot of it had to do with general tone and the fact that 
creatively, he didn't really change a whole lot. He's probably one of the most stagnant comic book characters of all time. I mean... And that's really saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when you know, Superman has has changed more than you, there there's something systemically wrong with you. <laughs> like... Superman has grown more of a character, and he's been treated as the Boy Scout for a very long time. Well, Superman is kind of the uh, uh, treated as uh, not even necessarily just the Boy Scout, but the blank slate. Like Superman is the template from which all other heroes are created. Yeah. Um. But and as such, he's he's kind of gained the. And uh, honestly, this is kind of going to mark me as the, the Superman fanboy, obviously. But he he gets a negative view because of that. And when, and honestly, he's probably one of the you know most overanalyzed characters of all time because of the fact that honestly, or well, excuse me, underanalyzed because a lot of people see him as you know just the suit of powers, but he has probably become one of the more well-written characters besides probably Aquaman. And I think that's mainly because he needed to be written better than anybody else. Just so people would read him. He was completely underutilized because of the fact that he, as he could go ahead and talk to fish, it was more than just fish. He could basically talk to any kind of aquatic. The Kraken is a real thing in DC comics and he could utilize the Kraken. Exactly. Not I'm only just that, the soup, the super strength that he had, there's other abilities. I mean, they they, they, to- they toned him to being more useful in in recent years. It, a lot of a lot of the you know early iterations of Aquaman were. Yeah, he still had those abilities. They just never really gave him the opportunity to utilize them. But at one point, they cut off his hand and gave him a hook. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I don't even follow DC that well, but like Yarr. Aquaman was the one character I I, I liked. <laughs> And I'm unfortunately, sorry. yeah, <laughs> that, and, then, that, and then followed. That is truly that unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> like the only thing that you could say that'd be worse than that is following the original Blue Beetle Ted Cord. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, these are characters that we've all seen through many lenses, and it it, it, it changes. Every character has had a half a dozen writers or more at this point. Absolutely. I, I mean, as, it, aside from maybe some Vertigo comic book characters that just haven't been rewritten 12 times. <laughs> I mean, Swamp Thing, I think, has had five writers at this point. Oh, uh, usually, I'm, pro- I'm pro- pretty sure more than that, because, like, Swamp I actually Thing think goes I, back to, I, I, he, he goes back really far, but I think for a very long time, he had two particular writers that always wrote him, and then it didn't change right. until after DC picked up Vertigo. Yeah, see, the live-action Swamp Thing kind of killed the comic series for a little while. Uh, yeah. yeah. I I mean, I wanted to kill something after seeing the live-action Swamp Thing. <laughs> uh, but no, and that's... Lou Ferrigno wanted his money back, and he didn't even work on that show. <laughs> Uh, he, he he was some other green character in, dude, in do TV Do not remind superheroes. me about the live action Hulk. You're going to get me singing the sad walking away. <laughs> and, and it's just going to be, and, and I'm going to, oh God, I can still remember the oh. theme that played during the end of the that's, death of the Incredible Hulk. And I just don't want to cry. Speaking <laughs> of which, funny enough, and I hate to swing this back around only because of the fact that it's going to bring tears. One of the first cameos of Stanley oh, no, actually don't was. Do this to me. <laughs> I know. But is uh, I think it was what the trial of of the Hulk. Or uh, the trial, of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Yes, that was one. That was what, I believe his actual first cameo. 
I, if, if it wasn't that, was that does that predate the really, really, really old Captain America movie? Uh, it doesn't yes. predate it, but I, I don't think, it, or I could be wrong on this one, but I don't think uh, Stanley made a cameo in that. I thought he did. I thought it was a very brief, like trucker cameo or something. Some some silly maybe he like, offshoot character. But I would definitely say that, uh, again, when it comes to the resurgence of Marvel movies, I, I, this is one of the things that I think is great about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know there's uh, that we've discussed, you know, bullshit of gatekeeping before, which is unfortunately a very real thing. Uh, but rather than getting upset like, oh, you guys never read the comics, what I think is kind of cool is it, it's bringing in a new generation of potential comic readers or people who are at least familiar with these characters that were so fondly created and what they stand for. Oh, absolutely. Like I um I've never understood that that impulse of you know trying to uh to stop people from enjoying things that they want to enjoy. Um like I This is mine. I claim it it's mine. Yeah, like I was here <laughs> first. Well, that's great. We've been telling the same 12 stories since ancient Greece. So, no you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but no, there, there's always an opportunity for new people to come aboard. And I've, yeah, I've never understood that instinct of, you know, well, this thing is, you know, popular in the mainstream and that's the only reason you like it uh, anymore. And, you know, we're real fans. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, I, I'm always happy to share my mediums of enjoyment exactly. with everyone. Yeah. I, th- I think what it is is for some people it's the bitterness of knowing that something they may have been ridiculed for or even picked on or so forth. But even then, then you don't become that asshole. You know, yeah. you instead become you try and do better. Yeah. And you go ahead and instead you're supposed to welcome. I mean, these unless, unless unless it, we're inviting that asshole, and then it's our own fault. <laughs> but honestly. It's more about avoiding becoming that asshole than whether or not that asshole gets invited to the party, too. <laughs> See, like, my my instinct has always been, you know, uh, welcome to the party. Like, uh, even, you know, I grew up, I know this is going to sound really shocking, but as a nerd. and <laughs> What? I know, right? Get out. <laughs> but... Uh, seeing, you know, a lot of geek culture become mainstream to me, like, I, I celebrate that because, you know, well, like I said, welcome to the party. This is, you know, now that you can finally open your eyes to this thing that I love, let me show you around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, and I, <laughs> plus, there's, there's some certain things to, uh, to take advantage of in that. Like, for example, uh, I'm I'm a fan of the Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, obviously, this isn't comic books related, but it needs um, to be. Uh, <laughs> I as a, uh, I, a I, Game I fully of support a Game book, of Thrones yeah. comic book. But um, you know when when the TV show came out, let me tell you, I couldn't wait to see the millions of people watching the show react to the Red Wedding. That was one of the greatest moments. Fuck, I was like, fuck just off. knowing that it was coming and just sitting back and watching and saying, oh, wait, they're going to cry. <laughs> but there's, and then they're going to die. <laughs> and then Carbone delighted in the misery of others. <laughs> but, uh, aside from the schadenfreude uh, of moments like that, but no, there's plenty of, uh, like, 
Guardians of the Galaxy is possibly my favorite example in the world of comics because there, you want to talk about a comic book that never should have made it into a movie. Um, like Guardians of the Galaxy, let alone, let alone just Rocket Raccoon in, in himself. Okay, I wanted to be there for that meeting where they pitched that movie because at this point we have a tree who says one word. Uh, no, three. Sorry, okay, one phrase uh-huh. It was, was what I was getting at. A tree that says one phrase, a talking raccoon that typically likes to be kind of vulgar... At least in the comics, I mean, they toned they toned him down to be voiced by Bradley and and a stereotype of raccoons. (laughs) And he has guns. And all of the guns. We have the slacker captain, Mm. who in the comics was not no. No, He was a lot more serious. He was a lot more. Yeah, he. They really. I mean. Props to them for turning that into an actually like likable character because I'm sorry in the comics Star Lord is kind of the ass of the Guardians of the Galaxy like he but has now the, he's the he lovable has, ass yeah he that has the it. largest stick up his own ass it is ridiculous um, he has his head so far up his own ass he wears himself as a hat exactly <laughs> and then to also throw in Gamora who is. So well, at least at the time in comics when, when you know, they're pitching that movie, she was a relatively unknown character even amongst Guardians of the Galaxy because she was, I, th- I think she was only brought in to the fold of that of that comic yeah. more, more in recent times because it was always, she was always more attached to Thanos and the avengers and stuff like that like uh, avengers like Defenders. the uh oh what the infinity watch i want to say infinity watch yeah. there thank you and then drax, drax. The destroyer <laughs> that One that of was the interesting best characters <laughs> that i mean to be fair i think that what they have done to batista as an actor <laughs> uh, is Dave. in and of itself a miracle <laughs> But no, like, you know, like, like I said, it's, uh, you want to talk about if you were to put this in front of a committee and it, if you wanted to take bets on what comic book was never going to get made into a movie, that would be the, that would be the one. And, but yet Marvel's been able to bridge that gap and it's become one of their more popular franchises. And that, to me, that's awesome because it, come see how weird Comics can be. Honestly, if the movies hadn't predated the Guardians of the Galaxy movies by 20 years, I would have gone with Tales from the Abyss. Or, yeah. Tales, Tales from, from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt becoming <laughs> a movie. I, that's, that's fair, too. Um, those those actually happen, though. Yeah. You have yeah. Demon Knight and Bordello I, I have I have I have a whole collection. Most of them came out when I was a kid. Which, oh, which Demon Knight? Demon Knight is a timeless classic, and I will fight anybody <laughs> on that. One of Billy Zane's best performances. Just the fact that we had the like the t- the TV show on what was it on Sci Fi? I uh, know the TV show was on uh, HBO. HBO. No. Oh yeah, HBO. Yeah, no, this was, there was, there, was, there were boobies. Yes, like, <laughs> it got syndicated to Sci Fi. Uh, later no, it, on. Got, it got syndicated to USA, I believe. Oh, um, one, 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 one which was heavily, heavily, <laughs> censored. They turned it into a half-hour show, and it was originally <laughs> for hour. like an hour, forty-five yes. minutes, I think. For I actually own the entire series on DVD. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that that would be the one that I would have been I wish I would have been in the pitch room for because <laughs> All right. What? So. <laughs> but exactly my point. So this entire episode exemplifies that very point of exactly comics what, are a genre spanning era defining medium that has kind of I mean we're biased because we're comic book fans, obviously, but it, it it's it's created a bridge for us to find what we need to find when we need to find it. Like it, it's whether it's inspiration or our moral compass <laughs> or this explains why you are so fucked up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, please referring to, to Eric. I really want to stress this. <laughs> oh, but it it really is, you know. Uh, if you're not a comic book fan, become a comic book fan. I I invite you. I in, I I I want to incentivize you to find, you know, what this has to offer because it can literally change. If you ever watched a Marvel film, you you are a comic book fan in my book. <laughs> yeah, I, I I but it's always good to read the original texts. <laughs> Um, it, read a book. <laughs> read the tomes. But I like comic books are. Um, I like. I will. I will actually go out and say that comic books are possibly one of the greatest uh, mediums for fiction uh, that we've thus far created. I would also rank video games up there. And, 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 and honestly, comic books will not hurt you un- unless you run your fingers too quickly over the edges of some pages. Paper cuts are a real, are a real hazard, but just be careful, wear protection, and read some comic books. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's going to go ahead and roll us out for this episode. I mean, as always, I'd like to thank you for, for being here, Eric. We can no longer really call you a special guest now that you're actually part of a crew. Which oh, he's still I, special. I'm, I'm the oh. B team. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're the B team. But uh, I mean, thanks for coming on such short notice nonetheless. Uh, again, I know this is a little hard for, for all of us, especially some of you listeners at home. I definitely want to thank all of you for being with us for as, as long as you have. And we would definitely like to hear, you know, some stories about what you feel comic books were to you, as well as how you think it has impacted society. So definitely let us know in the Discord that uh, Mike is inevitably going to talk about later. And with that being said, true believers, Excelsior! As always, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. If you're listening to this podcast on one of our many great providers, whether it be Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, you can also check out our YouTube channel where we have a lot of great content on there as well. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the social media listed down below. And if you'd like to join the discussion and share how comic books have affected your life, you can head over to our Discord where you can chat with the Ready Comics Roll crew and other rollers. Don't forget to follow us over on Twitch for random live streams throughout the week. And if you're feeling exceptionally generous, head on over to Patreon and become a supporter today.